You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Thank you so much for joining us once again here at Grab Them by the Pod. I'm Kevin, along with Jesse, as always, and happy Indigenous Peoples Day. <laughs> not Columbus Day? Well, not in the city of Los Angeles, anyway, which chose to celebrate this day as Indigenous Peoples Day, honoring those who were seemingly you know, eradicated by Columbus's uh, advancement into the New World. So, uh, yeah, if you are an Italian-American, you celebrate the role of, that an Italian played in discovering the Americas. However, you know, for the Native American folks out there in this country, the negative consequences outweigh the positives that were, were gained by Columbus. Yeah, I actually heard, you know, we're in Connecticut, I actually heard uh, tonight that UConn put out a message to everybody that, you know, it's not Columbus Day on campus, it's Indigenous Peoples Day. If you were thinking, it's, it's one of those things that we've been brainwashed growing up. Oh, Columbus Day, Columbus, uh, Nina Pinta, Santa Maria, found America. It's great. No, man, you watch those, you look at the real history on that stuff, you know, it's just genocide. It's actually kind of sickening, and I don't want to be one of those snowflakes going, oh, my God, we can't celebrate Columbus Day. But just if you look at the facts, it's really ridiculous that we would ever do that. Well, you know, Columbus Day was first celebrated within the United States by the state of Colorado in 1905 and didn't become a federal holiday until 1937. It's also celebrated the world over. Uh, in many Latin American countries, it's known as Dia de la Hispanidad. And in Spain, it's known as Fiesta Nacional. So it is something that uh, is not just uh, celebrated uh, here in the United States, but it is something that the world over, especially those with Spanish ties, uh, do celebrate the arrival of Columbus in the New World. Even though we've never really actually made it to America and that he really discovered an area that people had been living in for thousands of years, but whatever. Today, Trump put out a proclamation uh, in favor of Columbus Day and said, We honor the skilled navigator and man of faith whose courageous feet brought together continents and has inspired countless others to pursue their dreams and convictions even in the face of extreme doubt and tremendous adversity. Well, you know what? Christopher Columbus, you have a fan in Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, who am I to say otherwise, I guess? Well, I think Trump fancies himself uh, a Columbus type. Uh, you know, listening to uh, what you just said there made me think uh, what Trump must think of himself and his role in these trying times. And let's be, let's be honest with ourselves. If he could give a bunch of smallpox-infected blankets to a lot of the illegal immigrants. So you think he'd do that in an instant and just get rid of them? Pretty sure that's what he thought he was doing when he threw paper towels into the crowd in Puerto yeah. Rico last week. Yeah, we'll, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, I wanted to start off just, you know, it, it's both sad, but I think it's a little light, too. We've been uh, starting this show kind of kind of with a depressing mood lately between Las Vegas, between 9-11. So let's get something a little lighter. Mike Pence, the good old boy Mike Pence, went to the 49ers-Colts game. Now, I'm a big 49ers fan, uh, although I guess maybe big is the wrong word. They've sucked so long. Uh, I kind of just checked out. Call me when they get good again. Uh, but, of course, uh, Mike Pence is from Indiana, so he's a Colts fan. It was a big day in Indianapolis. I know your favorite NFL player, uh, Peyton Manning, was going to be uh, honored with a statue. Mm, yes, my favorite, Peyton Manning. 
Well, during the national anthem, I think like 23 uh, 49er players, no Colt players actually, uh, took a knee, and that was enough to make Pence just bolt. He freaked out. He uh, left the game before it even began, and people immediately started calling this what it was, political theater. Trump tweeted out, I asked Vice President Pence to leave the stadium. Any players kneeled, disrespecting our country, which of course we knew it was going to happen, so it was premeditated. Um, NBC News' Peter Alexander reported that reporters were told to stay in their vans because there may be an early departure from the game, so they basically knew this was going to go down, uh, but they brought Pence there anyways. Yeah, Vice President Pence was in Las Vegas dealing with the aftermath of, of last weekend's massacre there. So he was flown that morning to Indianapolis to be at the game so that this stunt could take place. So that cost taxpayers upwards of $250,000 to mm-hmm. get the vice president to, to Indianapolis and then to make sure ahead of time that the stadium was safe, you know, paying for the, the luxury box that he was sitting in. All those things add up that are taxpayer dollars coming out of our wallets to pay for this, uh, you know, little made for TV special. And anybody who's ever been to an NFL game knows that getting to a game is a pain in the butt. Parking is a hassle. Who knows how much it costs? I, I think I read in L.A. they were charging $100, which is insanity. Uh, and now, who knows what it was like actually getting into the stadium? Do they have metal detectors? You have to make sure you're not bringing anything in there. Again, for this little active political theater, just so they could say, oh, look at these big, bad NFL players are so disrespectful. They're so horrible. Um, Pence actually tweeted, he tweeted out a, a whole thing, which, you know, whatever. It was basically towing the, the party line. And he also said, uh, President Trump and I will not dignify any event that disrespects our soldiers, our flag, or our national anthem. Who is disrespecting the soldiers here? I mean, you know, I don't mean to poo-poo soldiers. I know your father is a, is a proud Marine vet, but Soldiers don't own the flag. The American people do. Well, exactly. And, you know, I actually had a conversation with a good friend of mine this weekend where this kind of came up and and he happens to be a police officer. So the idea that this originally started a year ago when Colin Kaepernick was protesting uh, the, the treatment of African-Americans by police and inequality in the country. And, and my friend said that, you know, this whole argument over kneeling for the flag is the epitome of what America is all about. Now, if you want to kneel, it's your constitutional right, your First Amendment right to do that, right? It's not illegal to kneel before the flag or even burn the flag. It's also the constitutional right of those of us who may be offended by it to boycott, to stop watching, to stop going to NFL games. It's also the constitutional right of the employer, right, the NFL team that a player might play on, to fire them or to bench them because they kneel for the flag. It is This is like the epitome of what America is all about, <laughs> is that we have this right all around, and no one person— should be able to tell the other that they are wrong. Well, actually, you can tell them they're wrong, uh, but they would be wrong in telling them they were wrong. They have the right to tell them they're wrong, but you would be wrong in telling them they were wrong, if that makes any sense Correct. at all. Yes. <laughs> all these rights we have in America, it can get kind of confusing after a while. Uh, it, it just bugs me, though, that they – I mean, this is what Trump thinks we care about. I, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who care about it, and you know, if you do, I don't mean to belittle your thoughts or put you down, but there is so much happening in the world. There's so much garbage that we talk about on this podcast every week happening throughout the globe – 
for you to care about who kneels at a national anthem. These are guys, they're fantastic athletes, but they basically just throw balls back and forth. It's very entertaining. I'm glad they're doing what they're doing because it gives me something to watch on Sundays. But in the end, I don't particularly care what any of them think. I don't I don't care what most people think. I care what I think. And, you know, then that's all that matters. And I think people should really follow that and, you know, let people do do unto others as you would have done. I, I'm using the wrong metaphors here, but you know what I'm trying to say. Well, I think what we should be more concerned with, my wife and I were watching some of the playoff baseball this afternoon and, and talking about some of the guaranteed contracts that athletes today have. And we were doing some of the math and, and figured out that many of these athletes make more money in one game in one day than we make in an entire year. Yeah. Like that's a more concerning issue. Forget about the flag. What about the inequity that exists in this country? How someone who plays a game, a child's game for a living is paid more money than most of us will make in an entire year and some of us in an entire lifetime. You know, it's supply and demand. If if you if someone thought you were worth that much, Kevin, or thought I was worth that much, they would pay us. Unfortunately, they don't. Uh, yet, who knows? There's still some time. I wouldn't hold my breath. Not on a team. Not in the NFL. That's for sure. Yeah, you know, I'm trying. To, if I was to become a professional, I, I I knew a kid who was like an all-star college badminton player. Like that's something I could get behind. You know, hitting the shuttlecock back and forth. Um, you know, he's, he was a big cheese at University of Maryland. So that's the kind of professional sport I could do. I, you know, one hit from these NFL guys, I'd be obliterated, and I'd be. You, you think I whine when I go knocking door to door? Oh my God! I'd be like, Mama, help me. We've kind of gone off on a tangent there. Um, some depressing news coming out of the EPA today. Uh, on Tuesday, that's tomorrow, uh, the Trump administration will formally propose uh, repealing Barack Obama's landmark climate change rule uh, for power plants. Um, this rule was a key part of the U.S. commitment to reduce emissions under the Paris Accord, which Donald Trump pulled us out of earlier this year. EPA's chief Scott Pruitt said he'd sign the paperwork tomorrow uh, to repeal the rule, and he claims you know the Obama administration uh, they they surpassed their authority, they exceeded their authority. It was unfair to the coal communities. Uh, first of all, Kevin, I'm sorry. Communities. I I know people from you. I know people from West Virginia. I know some people from Kentucky. Um, it's time to move on. Uh, you know, VCR repairmen moved on. They didn't complain that DVD players or Blu-ray players came out. Uh, it, it's it's just time. It's it's coal is the past. Well, whether or not they complain about the industry changing, they need to read the writing on the wall, right? And and as uh, Scott Pruitt announces this from a mining business in Kentucky. Uh, the whole idea here is that Trump wants to take us back to the 1950s, right? Make America great again when coal was king. But science is proving that that coal has run its course and is no longer any good for, for us to be using. So you, you cannot argue that. You cannot argue the facts that this is an industry that has been dying out for a while and now has run its course. Why don't we invest some of that time, energy, resources, and money into re-education programs so that these mm -hmm. workers no longer are, are drawing at straws for the last available coal job, that we can put them out in a new industry where they would be more useful in an industry that's going to be less hazardous to our environment? I know that's scary, especially a lot of these folks who may be in their 40s and 50s. It's scary to be like, oh, my God, coal is all I ever knew. Uh, I can't learn something new. This, this old dog can't learn a new trick. 
I guarantee you can if you're open to it. Um, they, they like to point out that Obama has some kind of war on coal. Uh, it's not Obama's war on coal. It's just reality's war on coal. It's it's what's best for this Earth's war on coal. Uh, but you wouldn't know that by watching these announcements because Prude announces this at a mining business in Kentucky where everybody's a you know a coal miner. So oh yeah, it's great. Um, but if you look at the world around you, you look at the country, people are ready to move well beyond coal. Right. You know, do the people of eastern Kentucky and, and West Virginia, do they know any different? No, they're isolated in that coal bubble, if you will. Um, but the rest of us out here who are realizing the negative effects are ready to move on. So let's yeah, uh, whether it's whether it's natural gas. Uh, I was in Cape Cod a couple weeks ago. They have the gigantic the wind uh, windmill things going around. Um, is the solar uh, in my neighborhood? There's solar panels popping up on top of every house. There's so many different options that are the future that are better for uh, our planet, better for our bodies and our health. Um, but it, it shouldn't surprise us because. The EPA is being run by somebody who hates the EPA. Uh, I mean, Obama's plan was to cut emissions by 32% by 2030, and they act like he's a monster. You want to cut carbon emissions? No, 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 you're a horrible person. You hate America. Uh, That's insane. But, you know, that's, that's the Trump administration. Right. Well, Trump loves to say that Obama overstepped his bounds so many times, but refuses to admit when he does it. And, you know, he physically cannot admit fault in anything. No, no, I, I did right. You did wrong. That's how it goes. Uh, it's it's we should again. We says every week we should be used to it by now, uh, but we're never going to get used to it. The second you get used to it is the second you let them get away with it. I think you have to keep complaining about it and keep working to stop this stuff from happening. Um, because I said this more and more since we started running for uh, town town office. You know that I believe the children are the future. And what kind of future are you going to leave the kids when you just keep polluting the air more? Now, we're not even getting into the discussion of uh, global warming right now. That's a, or, is a, it's a global warming or is it climate change is what it's called uh, goes by now. That's, that's a whole other discussion, which I don't frankly don't want to get into right now. Um, but when you see the black stuff coming out of a smokestack, you can tell that's bad for you. When when people in those areas sound like I do today with a with a you know a frog in their throat, that's not good. Um, and we don't want our children breathing this crap. And especially when we have technology that makes it all unnecessary. So the Trump administration wants to replace Obama's rules with ones that are are weaker, that are more industry friendly uh, regarding the the limit to carbon dioxide emissions. So he's willing to. Be tough on immigration and crime because these folks might get out into the environment, if you will, and kill people. But it's okay if coal emissions get out into the environment and kill people. We said last week that it was Harry Truman who said the buck stops with me, uh, him being the president. And part of being the president is not making the popular decision. It's making the correct decision and the right decision for the country. So, you know, you may be upsetting some coal miners. And you know, I again, I genuinely, genuinely don't want people losing their jobs to be upset, but to upset them and to hurt their careers, um, but helping the ma- the majority of the people in not just our country but the world, that's the tough decision the president should be making. Um, but you know, we have a president who's obsessed with being liked, and uh, that makes for poor policy. Well, and, and you hit the nail on the head, Jess, when you said that we've got to do for the masses of people, not just those that work in the coal industry. And no offense to workers in the modern coal industry, but 
many episodes ago, much, much earlier on in our podcast, I had quoted a statistic that I had found where, and I'm going to paraphrase it here, that there are more people working in bowling alleys <laughs> in the United States today than in the coal industry still. So it's an industry that's dying out, if is not already gone, and it's not time to be investing in an industry that has done nothing but pollute the environment. So let's move on and put that money and the resources to better use. Here, here. And I say let's move on to another discussion as well because I'm tired of talking about the EPA. Uh, Rex Tillerson, uh, you know, we always wonder who are these same people in the government? Um, I know a lot of people like to crap on Rex Tillerson because he was the CEO of Exxon. Uh, but in this administration, sometimes you got to take, take what you can and take what you can get. And he, along with a few other people, has seemed to be one of the adults in the room. Uh, last week, NBC reported, though, that uh, Rex Tillerson, who, by the way, is Secretary of State, threatened to resign and was convinced to stay by Mike Pence. Um, also that Tillerson called Trump one of two things, either a moron or an effing moron. Um, you know, I won't say the actual word. Uh, so as a result, Tillerson called a press conference on Wednesday. Uh, just got to see he wanted everybody know that he never considered leaving. Uh, when asked whether he referred to the president as a moron, Tillerson said, I'm not going to deal with petty stuff like that. So that's not a no. Um, he said everything else was BS, but he didn't come out and say, no, I didn't call him a moron. Uh, to me, that lack of denial says more than any words he could have said uh, would have done. Well, the entire process of Rex Tillerson coming out and making a, a statement before television cameras um, would seem, you know, he's trying to save face before the president to keep his job. <laughs> Famed CBS News anchor Bob Schieffer, who was being interviewed by CNN to promote his new book, Overload, actually said, uh, and I quote, it looked like a hostage tape when Tillerson was making <laughs> his remarks on TV. You know, that, it, it kind of had that feel. You know, he's being trotted out there by the president who wants him to, uh, you know, put down or put to rest any rumors that he may have spoken ill of President Trump and his leadership ability. So, you know, I don't know what to think or what to believe anymore coming out of that White House. And I don't know if I believe this, what I saw in uh, John Oliver on Sunday night. Uh, he reported that apparently there's a rumor out there that uh, Tillerson, Mattis, and Mnuchin uh, have a suicide pact, basically, that if one of them gets fired, they all walk and somehow keeping them safe. I don't know if that's true, but... Um, I, I was watching Bill Maher over the weekend and said, this is this is the A-team we've seen so far, and we're not even through year one. So what the hell are, is his staff and administration going to look like circa 2020? It's going to be horrible. I mm, can only imagine. I don't want to imagine. No, I, 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 what I want to imagine in 2020, him losing the election and, and just being a bad nightmare. But You're here. Um, I, unfortunately, I, I just don't have the faith in in the people in our country um, right now. Hopefully uh, that changes because, you know, I love America and I don't want us to have a, a psychopath being in charge of things. So the, uh, the State Department eventually came out and said, no, no, secretary did not use that kind of language when speaking of the president. But, you know, too little, too late. And uh, this all led to Donald Trump just losing his mind at NBC News. He uh, tweeted out that NBC News is fake news and more dishonest than even CNN. They are a disgrace of good reporting. No wonder their news ratings are way down. NBC News is so knowingly inaccurate with their reporting. The good news is that the people get it, capitalized people, uh, which is really all that matters, not number one. 
So again, any any organization that just disagrees with him or comes out with negative stories, fake news. Why don't we even dignify that nonsense by reading it on our show? I don't know. I guess the people need to hear the crap, the garbage that comes out of the president's mouth. Um, you know, we may never know for sure what Rex Tillerson said to the president, but I'd say it's a pretty safe bet it wasn't complimentary. I mean, can you imagine working, you know, in close quarters with the man trying to make decisions on behalf of him and, and just to hear uh, what comes out of his mouth? Yeah, we may, may not like Exxon, but that's a legit company with lots of people you're working for. So Tillerson knows how to run an organization. And uh, I would imagine if he ran across somebody like Donald Trump uh, in that organization, he would have gotten rid of him, you know, weeks ago, months ago, because he sees just what a lunatic he is, what a loose cannon he is, and quite frankly, what an effing moron he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to uh, those those Trump tweets, I have to say, those won't be the last Trump tweets we'll read on, uh, read on this episode. And, you know, it's partially my fault. Whenever I see uh, a new Trump tweet come out, I'm both disgusted, horrified, and then strangely titillated as well. You know, it's it's kind of like a little, I don't want to say it's crack, but it's like, oh, I get to be outraged at Donald Trump and yell about what a lunatic he is, and you kind of get a little a little high off of that, which is not good, but I think it's just, you know, our coping mechanism these days. You know, sometimes I wonder, does he know something we don't? Is this his way of just getting us to react the way that we do? Or is he really that stupid? And these things is just he crazy happen. like a fox, or just crazy? <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I I really don't know. It's uh, he seems to be a master to get us to change the story, but he just doesn't seem bright enough. So I, who the hell knows? Um, we'll just have to keep watching and determining it at a later date. Um, so we've we've heard a lot of Trump going after. Uh, news organizations that disagree with him, uh, Democrats, um, even some Republicans like like John McCain, who uh, vote against bills that he's in favor of. Uh, we can add a new GOP member to that list this week, GOP Senator Bob Corker, who recently announced that he's not going to be running for re-election in 2018, is the new subject of Trump's ire. Um, last week, uh, Corker said that he thinks Tillerson... Uh, Secretary Mattis, Chief of Staff uh, Kelly, uh, those are the people that are helping uh, separate our country from chaos, and he supports them. Uh, Trump didn't like that, though, that he was giving other people credit, and he tweeted out that Senator Bob Corker begged me to endorse him for re-election Tennessee. I said no, and he dropped out, said he couldn't win without my endorsement. He also wanted to be Secretary of State, and I said no thanks. He is also largely responsible for the horrendous Iran deal. Hence, I would fully expect Corker to be a negative voice and stand in the way of our great agenda. Didn't have the guts to run, uh, which then Corker, of course, responded saying, it's a shame the White House has become an adult daycare center. Somebody obviously missed their shift this morning. Ay, ay, ay. Again, this is what happens when you allow a narcissist to occupy the White House. He has a false sense of importance that, you know, Corker came, you know, begging me for these different things. I highly doubt that's the case. Corker has had a career in the Senate where he has more influence over public policy than the president mm-hmm. does. So, you know, that doesn't seem to add up to me. You know, it's it's again the president refusing to accept any responsibility for his own actions. Okay, Corker is chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, Corker is actually a conservative, um, which Trump really isn't. I don't know what the hell Trump is. But the conservatives in the party should be should be backing um, Corker. I know 
I know that Mitch McConnell was stood up for for Corker a bit, but you know Trump has really just forged his own his own political party. It doesn't have anything to do with ideology. It has more to do with just attitude. It seems. Um, to quote the late to, great James Brown, <laughs> he don't know karate, but he knows crazy. <laughs> yes, that the, I'll go with that. Um, I love though that not running frees Corker up to kind of say what we're all thinking that Trump is nuts. Um, you know, the, the the grumbling on Capitol Hill is that. There are a lot of people who agree with him but are afraid to say anything about it because you know, they want to be reelected. Um, and Kellyanne Conway, of course, has a problem with this. Um, she thinks Corker's criticism of the president was incredibly responsible. Huh. Irresponsible. Um, yeah. Um, world leaders will see that tweet. Uh, we've all worked with Senator Corker over the years. We thank him for his service, but I find tweets like this to be incredibly irresponsible. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Your boss tweets incredibly irresponsible things. On a daily basis, but she doesn't seem to have a problem with that. Right. These sycophants that work around the president just don't have the courage or the guts to stand up and say no to him. You know, they value their jobs more than the country. I mean, what, you know, real patriots they are. Just let's, let's just go through this really quickly so we, we cover all our bases. Attacking President Obama on Twitter, responsible. Attacking President Trump on Twitter, irresponsible. Any of the insane things that come out of Twitter's mouth, responsible. Now we know. Disturbing, as usual. Disturbing. And of course, Conway made it about the election and them not accepting the results, which had nothing to do with anything. And first of all, we all accept the results. That's why we're so flabbergasted by all this. The president of the United States can say these things. Second... You can't just suddenly throw Corker in with everybody else. I mean, he's a Republican senator. He's been supporting the Republican agenda. Uh, he's, you know, he's been a good little soldier. And now that he's speaking out against Donald Trump, he's just one of the one of the masses who uh, can't accept President Trump as being president. No, that's, that's not how we do things. And regardless of whether or not Corker runs for re-election in 2018, that's a whole nother year and some months away where yeah. he is still going to be – in Congress. And doesn't the president realize he may need him and his vote for some of the things on his agenda that he's trying to push through? I feel it's a safe bet that whenever you ask the question, doesn't the president realize dot, 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 at least no. 70, at least 75% of the, and that might be low, at least 75% of the time, the answer yeah, is no, he does not. Um, there's also a former Trump aide, Jason Miller, uh, who was interviewed and suggested that Corker should resign, uh, said that if Senator Corker is retiring and he doesn't want to be in the U.S. Senate and doesn't want to support the president and doesn't want to support such basic conservative principles, then he should resign. Now, that's everything that's wrong with this administration. Uh, if you're not blindly loyal to Trump and in the Trump administration, then you don't belong in government. That's scary. Yeah. So maybe this all will signal a change. Maybe it's the beginning of an important shift where some Republicans in Congress will be willing to speak out or vote against the president. Yeah, because I, I am very sure that the Democrats and the Republicans could come to an agreement on certain things, come to a consensus on certain issues, you know, have some give or take if they just got rid of the buffoon in the Oval Office. Um, I, I know we, we mentioned some of these Republicans are afraid they're not going to get reelected, um, but there gets to be a time when enough is enough. And just as so we said, the president has to make tough choices. Sometimes the Congress has to make tough choices. And uh, rather than blindly following party loyalty, you uh, do what's right. And uh, again, I, I don't know if Trump has done anything impeachment worthy, but life would be better if he was gone. I think we should all understand that. <laughs> Yes, it would be more stable. Yeah.
Stable, unlike the uh, North Korea region, which we're talking about right now. Um, Last week, Trump met with senior military leaders and then set up a photo shoot for them and their spouses. And uh, during the photo op, uh, Trump said, referring to the group, you guys know what this represents? Maybe it's the calm before the storm. And one of the reporters is like, what storm? What are you talking about? And he goes, you'll you'll find out, which – that's very frightening when the president is is uh, insinuating there may be war or conflict coming up. That's what I took away from it, at least. Sure. Well, this is this is classic Trump. This is him thinking he's still on The Apprentice, you know, throwing mm-hmm. a, a teaser out there. Yeah. Come back next week to find out what happens in the second half of The Apprentice. Uh, and, of course, Sarah Huckabee Sanders gives her same BS response as always. Uh, you know, we're never going to say in advance what the president's going to do. And as he said last night, you're going to have to wait and see. False. No, make we don't have to better. wait and see. See, that's where the BS really is, not to cut you off, yeah. Jess. But this mm-hmm. is not a TV show. He needs to accept it. She needs to accept it. He's the president of the United States. He works for us, we, the taxpayers of this country. And so – you don't keep us waiting. You don't keep us hanging in the balance like this, throwing teasers like you're on some, you know, half, you know, half rate television show. This isn't a military issue or a national security issue. It's a they don't really know what the hell they're going to be doing issue. So when they say, uh, I can't tell you because I'm not going to let the enemy know what's going on. No, you just don't know what's going on. You just made a stupid comment and now figure out how to get yourself out of it. Yeah. Words matter. Yeah, well, time and time again, people seem to fail to learn that, yes, words matter. Um, Trump also tweeted out that again, presidents and their administrations have been talking to North Korea for 25 years. Agreements made massive amounts of money paid hasn't worked. Agreements violated before the ink was dry, making fools of U.S. negotiators. Sorry, but only one thing will work. Yes, he doesn't elaborate on what that one thing is. You and I reading that would say, oh, what, bombing them back in the Stone Age? What are you talking about? Well, perhaps Tillerson may or may not have called the president a name over this because he's the one on the ground having the negotiations. And he sees a whole different side of this than the president does sitting in the White House blabbering away on Twitter. And who's going to talk to Tillerson and who's going to take him seriously if he says one thing and then hours later his boss just contradicts everything he said? It gives him no respect. It gives him no power. It gives him no no balls basically to make any comments and make any decisions because those decisions don't run through him. They obviously run through the president and the president's secretary of state are not on the same page. Mm. Hence the idea that his statement in front of the cameras was like a hostage video. You know, maybe he wants yeah. to leave and Trump just won't let him. I couldn't stay if I was going to be undermined at every step along the way. Did you check to see how he was blinking during that video? Maybe he was <laughs> sending some kind of Morse code. Is there a code? Yeah, I don't know. I'd Call have to go back the police. And it. Yeah. Um, Trump also just continues to fumble. Uh, to use an NFL metaphor, which I know Trump would probably be very upset about, uh, when it comes to Puerto Rico, um, this whole crisis has been handled horribly. Um, as you talked about earlier, earlier this uh, last week, he was throwing paper towels into a crowd because, you know, that's his idea of helping people out. Um, he said to the people of Puerto Rico, I hate to tell you, Puerto Rico, but you've thrown our budget a little out of whack that's not what the people of Puerto Rico want to hear. Uh, I mean, that's actually a pretty insane for him to say when 
everything they know has been destroyed, and you're complaining and bitching about the budget. By the way, it's getting billions of dollars to build a giant wall we don't need. Yeah, you know, that's the exact time when you put the partisan politicking aside. People got all over Chris Christie when Barack Obama showed up in New Jersey back in was 2013, whatever Hurricane Sandy was. And, yeah. and Christie's state had been devastated along the shore. No, 2012, because it was right before the election, right. remember? And, okay. and Obama showed up and was willing to lend a hand and use the federal government to help out there. And Chris Christie said, hey, look, Republican, Democrat doesn't matter. My people are hurting. My people need help. And this president's here to give it. That's when you put that stuff aside. And Trump still can't see that. That was back before – Christie sold the soul of the devil right. or Trump. I can't figure out which. <laughs> yeah, it all went south. I, I used to, I, I used to be a, I used to be a Christie fan, but you know, then he, then it went very poorly for him after that. Um, he also told them, you know, your weather is second to none, but every once in a while you get hit. Again, no, no crap. We don't need that to be brought up. He kept saying Puerto Rico in this weird like. Puerto Rico or something. It's a weird accent. I don't know if he was trying to do a Puerto Rican accent or was trying to mock them. Either way, it was just stupid and ridiculous. Oh, oh, oh there are no words. Although, to be honest, I always get very annoyed with people who have no accent, but like, oh, yeah, I met my friend Pedro the other day. I'm like, no. Or, or people were like, oh, I'm going to have a pizza with some mozzarella on it. Like, no, you're American. It's Pedro and it's mozzarella. Pakistan, Baki, you know Obama did it and Trump is doing it too now. The the Pakistan, I love the video. Come, Mister Pakistan, Paki me banana, or Sad Saddam Hussein can't do it, can't do it. You know the Herbert Walker. I just you know don't try to use an accent if you don't have one. Just say the words normally. So um, yesterday he tweeted out that nobody could have done what I've done for Puerto Rico with so little appreciation, so much work. Again, this isn't about him, but he makes it about him. As always. I mean, I can't use the word on the <laughs> air that I want to use to describe it. You can him, tell me in a few minutes. But yeah, you can imagine. Use your imagination. Uh, who does that? Who does that except for him? I was listening to the Pod Save America podcast. It's by the guys who uh, used to work in the Obama administration. They were talking about how they did all this stuff with Haiti after the earthquake, and they got it done. Fa- it was also on an island surrounded by big water, ocean water. Um, they got it done quickly, efficiently, and didn't feel the need to brag about how great it was that they got it done. And I really wish that the Trump administration would take a page out of the Obama administration when it comes to that. Uh, when there's a humanitarian crisis, the, and that's why you had Bill Clinton and George Bush going down and doing these things together. You know, It doesn't matter what political party you belong to. Uh, you don't need to score political points. It's about saving lives and helping people survive. Especially when it is a territory of the United States and those who are suffering are United States citizens. Yeah, but he doesn't know that. No matter how many times you tell him that, I swear he, he probably refuses to remember to either remember that or acknowledge it. So <laughs> All right, what do you got for Kevin's Corner? Well, Jesse, the United States of America is the most storied example of Republican democracy in the history of the world. And what it is not, however, is a mediocre reality television show with storylines, scripts, and a micromanaging producer with undue influence on the process of creating content. The president has been too cavalier in his approach to dealing with the emerging power that is North Korea. 
The careless use of words and cliffhangers about where we are headed in regards to our relations with Yang is sophomoric and reckless. In disregarding the importance of peaceful negotiation in favor of something more drastic, the president is missing some of the important messages that previous administrations have discovered and worked around. Kim Jong-un, like his father and grandfather before him, most desperately crave acceptance and legitimacy on the world stage. They're not necessarily the lunatics with a death wish that Trump claims them to be. Perhaps the only real moron in this situation is the one who refuses to talk. Effed moron. <laughs> he said it all, Kevin, as always. Well, Kevin, it's been a pleasure to do another episode with you. It's been a pleasure to do another episode for our wonderful fans. Check out all the other great podcasts at the Ace Podcast Network. And uh, see us back here next week for the next episode of Grab Them by the Pod. So long, Kevin. Later. Later.